I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am Movie Mike on Twitter and Instagram, at Mike Distro. First of all, I'm going to sit down with producer Eddie, who I work with on the Bobby Bone Show. He's also a member of the Sore Losers. And we're going to be talking all about the evolution of Matthew McConaughey as an actor. We both just read his book called Green Lights. Then Eddie and I will also get into how important the movie La Bamba was to us as Mexican-Americans, which during that part of this episode, I felt like we kind of had this connection we never realized we had before. And then later on, I'll be joined by my co-host and fiance, Kelsey. We just got an early look at the movie called Our Friend. With all that said, let's get started. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast. One man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. All right, I am joined now by Eddie from The Sore Losers. Work with you on the Bobby Bone Show. Yeah, we are both Mexican. That's right, and we both just read Matthew McConaughey's book. Which this is a movie podcast, but I thought it would be kind of cool to just look at the evolution of Matthew McConaughey. Yes, because it's just crazy to me how he went from being like the rom com guy to being the best actor that we know now. I think after reading the book, it was crazy to me that coming from a guy who really wanted to be a lawyer first, didn't really know what he wanted to do in life to becoming a successful actor. Yeah. You know, acting's not easy, man. Like, But I guess to him, it just came natural because he even says at the beginning of his career, he didn't have to try that hard yeah. to become the actor. Later in life, he did because he took on more challenging characters. I want to start there. Like, after reading this book, were you in any bit like inspired to think that you could act because yes. I, was, I was reading it and I was like dude I think I could like figure this out 100% I've always thought that I can act you know <laughs> like even from when I was young but especially after reading this book I felt like I can act and I'll even add to that reading the book and kind of how he got his start in film yeah. was interesting to me you know um 
he talks about meeting the producer who was uh, the casting at the, at the time casting for Days and Confused. He didn't know what he was doing. He was in Austin going to film school, I think, and his friend was a bartender at a, at a hotel. And he just goes to the hotel and has drinks with his friend who's probably giving him free drinks. And, and while he's there, the bartender, his friend, says, hey, man, I meant to tell you, this guy right here, he comes in every night. <laughs> he's, he's in town because he's casting or producing a movie. You may want to talk to him. So at that point, McConaughey is like, hey, all right, all right. Let me start talking to this dude and get in with him. He gets really drunk and gets kicked out of the bar. And at that point, McConaughey says, hey, this is my chance to get in with this guy. I'll get kicked out of the bar with him. We'll end up in the same cab together and we'll talk about the role or whatever, or me trying to get into his movie, which that's exactly what happened. At, at the end of the car, the cab ride, this producer guy's like, hey, man, come out of the office in the morning. I think I might have a spot for you in the movie we're doing here in Austin. And that's Wooderson. Yeah. So to me, it's like, that's the kind of stuff that happens. Like how I joined the Bobby Bones show, randomly interviewing Bobby Bones at a steam clean uh, William Hung event means I meet Bobby who becomes a, who is already a little radio host in Austin, but becomes a national radio host, wants me to come with him. And it's like, that's crazy how all these big things start from a little meeting like in McConaughey's yeah. uh, case at a hotel bar, you know, where his friend bartended. I thought that was just an amazing story on how he got in. And then from there, he goes to being on the set. And what I found just kind of fascinating was how he approached, like, finding the character. And kind of his whole thing throughout his career is, like, finding his guy. Yeah. Like, kind of... My man. My, his man, right? that he calls him. Like, figuring out why his character would do certain things, how he would go about playing a certain person. And almost like learning that more than he like focuses on like learning lines. Yeah, he I, uh, he I think confesses many times that he didn't yeah. even really read the script. He just knew his man going in. And there was that one case where he's like, you know what? I'm not even going to read the lines for this to study for it. Yeah. I'm just going to go and knowing the guy. He turns the page and it's all in Spanish. <laughs> And it's like, oh crap, this could really pay off. And I think at that point he says, I'll need 12 minutes. Yeah, give me 12, give me, give like me 12 minutes. Learn Spanish in 12 minutes. <laughs> but he, the other thing, he went to school at the University of Texas in Austin. And he started, like, he was going to be a lawyer, like you said, and yeah. then switched to doing film. What was interesting to me was that he referenced, like, in his film class, that, like, his other. He didn't really fit in that class. Like mm -hmm. he was kind of the jock guy and everybody else was like a total film nerd. And while they were all going to like art houses to watch all these like really artistic movies, he was like, dude, I went to go watch Die Hard. Like that's yes. a great movie. And I feel like I've always kind of had that balance of like, I love big blockbuster movies, but I do a movie podcast. So I like watch everything, but these are always my favorite movies. And he kind of like stood up for them in a way like, hey, you can like these movies and still be into film. When it comes to like when you sit down and watch something, what do you look for? Do you want to watch like something that you totally disconnect from and just kind of take as like, okay, that was fun. I ate some popcorn to watch that movie. Or do you like to really dive in and learn something in a movie? Both. You know, I think it really depends on how I'm feeling or what's on at the time. Sometimes, you know, I don't really look for movies a lot. Uh, I kind of scan channels and if something starts and I'm like, oh, that's cool. I like that actor. I like that actress. And I'll just watch it for a couple minutes. Never seen this movie. Next thing you know, I'm watching the whole thing and I'm crying at the end. Yeah. <laughs> I love that experience because I didn't really go out seeking. Dude, my wife and I, we get into bed and it's like nine o'clock. The kids are all asleep and we're like, hey, let's start a movie. And we look and do we search for an hour and a half for a movie. <laughs> and at that point, we're like, I'm ready for bed. And we end up watching nothing. 
So to me, it's just kind of getting surprised. I like the I'm I'm like McConaughey. I like the real real pop culture stuff, and I do like the ones that no one's ever seen. And then really getting excited about a movie like that too is pretty cool. So he's going throughout his career. He has Days and Confused, and then he's kind of just like taking kind of odd acting jobs before he moves to Los Angeles. And then what I also felt I kind of learned from this is like why he is such a great actor. Like he went out and experienced things that sound insane to me to yeah. be able like to take time away from your life to go to another country just to like go to Germany. Like I feel like that really shaped how he kind of was able to be such an interesting person to be able to play such interesting characters later in his life. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, he he definitely, a lot reading this book, I felt anxiety for the things that he was yeah. doing. Uh, the Amazon trip, I felt anxiety over, not know, like not knowing <laughs> what he was doing there or who he was with. Uh, when the guys wrecked the bike in Germany, Yeah, th- that, that would have totally stressed me out and I would have quit, <laughs> called my parents and gone back home, you know, like, but that that's, that's him. Yeah. That's how he lived lives life with uh with a let's just see what happens mentality and we'll all we'll figure it out the part to me that stresses me out is just going to anywhere for an extended period of time and then like knowing you have a place back home that you have to pay rent on yeah but he just has like this approach where he's like you know what i had a dream i saw this in my dream i'm gonna go accomplish that he had a dream of floating naked in the amazon yeah, finding some guy a couple and, times yeah and getting eaten by like river sharks and all sorts of stuff and then he's like i'm gonna chase that dream I'm like are you crazy <laughs> like, what? what do you mean i had a dream where like i was naked too and this guy was robbing me i'm not gonna go try to get robbed i just woke up I was like weird dream all right I move on my yeah mind. and what was weird too he kept calling it wet dreams yeah and i was like is he serious that's what he said like, did he really have one of those and he was and he goes into detail too of just like i'm talking about the wet dream the wet you ones, really think yeah. i'm talking about did you also read the book in his voice sometimes of course of course you, you can't help but read a lot of it in his voice <laughs> so then he does that movie reign of fire which is kind of his last one before he's like you know what i'm starting to be typecast as a certain kind of person he'd done like how to lose a guy in 10 days he was like the rom-com guy yeah kind of took over after hugh grant like yes that was kind of his role because at that point he's just taking whatever hollywood yeah. would feed him because he had made it yeah and he quote was unquote made it making money doing all that but then he's like you know what like i want to do something that challenged me challenges me a little bit more and there was those 20 months that no calls didn't take anything yeah he had to make the decision to tell hollywood no 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 it's no longer what you want me to do i'm telling you this is what i'm going to do and they were really 10 months like you said we're really like fine big yeah. shot it's just crazy how like, you can establish such a career having all these movies, but it feels like you're maybe like two calls or two little instances away from losing that all, like totally being yes. cut off from Hollywood. And someone like Matthew McConaughey to be like, all right, your career is done if you don't say yes to something soon. But also cool about it is that he did talk about in the book that he did check with his finances mm-hmm. he checked with his accountant yeah and said hey before i do this <laughs> how, how much go? time do i have you know like and that to me is great to put in the book because you can't be telling everyone like hey take your stance man do whatever you want and don't worry they'll follow eh, eh, not really true like make sure you're covered until yeah. you do it which is what he did because th- he got that offer where 
I think they offered him ten million first, and he said no, and he just kept saying no, and it got. What up, movie was that? He never. I don't think he ever said. Oh, he did it. But it got up to fourteen point five. And million. he's like, okay, maybe. <laughs> let me read that again. <laughs> let me read that script again. I thought that part was great. He's like, and the script was way better than the first time I read it. <laughs> <laughs> so, he's one of the really few actors that I know haven't who've like not so much rebranded himself, but kind of unbranded himself from being that guy. Yeah. So Interesting. he went those 20 months without taking anything. And then he started doing movies like mud killer Joe, which mud sucked. Yeah. <laughs> he loves mud so he, yeah, much. He does. And he talks about it being his favorite movie. And the one movie that was made for him. I'm like, dude, that's the one movie I just don't like. <laughs> I think he just had to get something different under his belt for a while. And I think he felt like that one kind of defined that transition period. Yeah. But I agree. If you're going to go back and watch his like transition movies, I don't think that's a great one. I don't think so either. But then he, he, First read the script for Dallas Buyers Club in 2007, which is also crazy how long it takes for yeah. a movie to get made from where it's just a script to when there's a director attached to it to when there's an actor attached to it. And what usually happens for movies to get made is there'll be a big name actor attached to it. And they're like, OK, that kind of legitimizes the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like whenever they were making Elf, that took a long time to make, but they had Will Ferrell attached to it. They're like, OK, this will get made eventually. Yeah. So that's kind of what happened with Dallas Buyers Club. 2007, first draft, they want to take Matthew McConaughey off for the first director. But then eventually 2012, they find the guy who will do it with Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. And he does this. Which is mo- Jared Leto. Wait, who is that? He's the other actor in the movie. Okay. Yeah, but they found a different director to do it. And for this movie, he took a way less than he'd ever taken before. Yeah. And it really paid off because, I mean, this is kind of the movie that I really know him for now. Yeah, huge role. Um, and that was the, Is that his first Academy Award? His first one for Best Actor. Which, first Academy Award, uh, I think the movie was nominated for a lot of Academy Awards. I mean, it was a huge, huge movie for him. And they shot the entire thing in 25 days. Yeah. Only cost $4.9 million to make, which maybe like 500000 is what was given to him. Yeah. <laughs> That's just such a big risk to take, to be like, okay, I'm going to do this movie. I believe in it so much. And then to go to extremes just to prepare for this role, which... You've been talking about on the Bobby Bone Show, you were inspired to do the diet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which he talks about how sharp his mind got uh-huh. from doing that diet. So when you're reading that, why did that kind of stick out to you? Did something you wanted to try? I think the first thing, the first time I thought about it was early in the book when he's talking about living in Australia. He was a uh, foreign exchange student with a family and he was extremely unhappy there. So he decided to eat lettuce with ketchup <laughs> yeah. for like... I don't know, months, yeah. months of just lettuce and ketchup for breakfast. losing weight. And he said, man, I lost so much weight, <laughs> but I look good, you know? And I was just like, lettuce and ketchup, that's terrible. But that did not interest me. Then when he talked about the determination it, it took for him to lose 50 pounds mm-hmm. in such a short period of time, and I looked at, he, I mean, he shared his his diet, and I'm thinking, I I I kind of want to try that, one, just to see if he's full of crap or not. And two, hey, man, if I can lose, not 50 pounds, Mike, yeah. <laughs> but if I can lose like 10 pounds in a few months, let's give it a shot. Insane. I want to see what that's like. It's an insane diet. It I, is. And I mean, I was picturing him eating the lettuce with the ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and it feels like all the stories he tells throughout this could almost be like a mini movie in themselves. Totally. So I think... If somebody wanted to read this book and you don't really know a whole lot about them, but you're looking for something that has like kind of, it's almost, it's pretty easy to read. 
and it has like these quick little digest stories that you're like, okay, that was pretty interesting. And I kind of see how he took all of this into being the person that he is now. Sure. So if you had a favorite Matthew McConaughey movie now, what would it be? Oh, I mean, my favorite, favorite, favorite is Days of Confused. I mean, I'm just going to have to go with the classic. But honestly, dude, I, before I read this book, I did not know that that was so, so early in his career. Yeah, you, you would think that was like his biggest movie at like the height of his career, but that's yeah. like the first thing he had, his first hit. His first, first act, real acting gig. And he talks about how the first thing he ever said on film was the, the line, all yeah. right, all right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> right. And the fact that he that character Wooderson wasn't even a character really in the script. He, he didn't have any lines. He was just the, the old dude that drove the car, you know, but he made it into a character that... They're gonna. He's gonna be a big part of this movie, and everyone remembers him as just keep on living. That's you know, <laughs> just keep L I V I N. Do you find you like him more after reading this book? Yes, me too. Way more. I mean, dude, I'd met him a handful of times mm -hmm. when I lived in Austin, and it was very short and very standoffish and very you, you're not important to me kind of feeling. Yeah, and I wasn't. I mean, I, I was not nothing to him. You know, it's just a person on the street. But but I, I always felt like I don't like that feeling of like that just kind of getting blown off by Matthew McConaughey every single time you know so like I never paid attention to him I watched his movies just because maybe it was on but not because I watched it because Matthew McConaughey was in the movie never a fan like that after reading this though I just kind of started thinking and 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 trying to maybe make this as a goal for myself mm -hmm. to never judge people before you even get a chance to know him, because and not that I know Matthew McConaughey after reading this book, but <laughs> oh, I know <Matthew. laughs> I know more about him. And after reading, you know, three hundred pages more than just meeting him three times on the street, I get to know really the person that I was meeting on the street more than just oh yeah, dude, I know your face from the movies. <laughs> like, dude, I, he was he's really deep. Yeah, he's a deep thinker. You know, and, and I would have never got that from him. Yeah, maybe if I paid more attention to the Lincoln commercials, <laughs> he's a deep thinker. But really, before that, I always thought he was just a, a dumb meathead yeah. who, who had just acted stupid. And I guess I didn't really know like how big of a celebrity and how big of an actor he is. Because like you, I lived in Austin, too. And he was kind of just like the local celebrity. That's, yep. how, that's how I pictured him. Like, oh, that's like Matthew McConaughey at a Longhorns game. Yeah. But kind of reading this and seeing like how famous he was. He couldn't go places. He couldn't go places. And he would like drive out to places to kind of, I mean, even when he went to the Amazon, there was like somebody who was a fan of him. Yeah. So it was kind of put into perspective just how big beyond everything else he is. Yeah. And it kind of made me respect him a little bit more. Uh, me too, man. I'm a fan now. <laughs> I think, I'm a fan. I follow him on Instagram, follow his wife on Instagram. <laughs> I, like, yeah, I started following him too. <laughs> I am a fan of his. I think if there was one thing I would do from this book that he did was how he when he drove out in that van and he would just record his thoughts he set up like that microphone oh yeah and basically this entire book was that transcribed i thought that was pretty interesting yeah that so, is really cool um yeah matthew mcconaughey who i i thought that there was one thing he i think he's in the amazon or maybe africa because was he in the he did a nile trip too yeah. right I, I may have been africa when he was there he had he, he uh, found a guide. Again, the way he finds these guides is like, I Insane. just showed up, man, and... I found him. I found him. <laughs> and this, and he ends up spending, you know, weeks with this guide or whatever. But he's with two guys, and they have some sort of argument about something. And he, he, tries to, he tries to understand what they're arguing about, and then he finally picks a side between the two guys arguing. 
And then he says, "Now, nah, man, I think I think so and so is right." And they both turned around and said, "No, no, no, you're not understanding. No one is right. You just have to understand both points yeah. of the argument." And then he puts in there, "McConaughey voice, <laughs> America can learn something from this." You know, like, and I, it hit me right straight to the brain. I was like, "Huh, I sh I should learn something about this." Like. That's right. I'm always just like, that's not right. Yeah. Oh, that's, there we go. You nailed it. But no, it's understanding both sides of an argument. And again, nothing to do with movies, but McConaughey's <laughs> weird, deep, deep, deep mind brought this up. And I thought that's really the one thing I got out of this book that really is going to stick with me for a while, I think. Well, the book is called Green Lights, and I got to confess that when I first posted that I had read this book and we were going to do a podcast together, people thought I was getting Matthew McConaughey on. Oh, hey, how's it going? So there we go. I'll Thanks, Mike. Here. Let me tell you something, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote this book straight from the heart, all right? <laughs> okay, I do want to do one more segment with you if you can hang around. Yeah. I want to talk about the movie La Bamba. Hey, come on, because let's go. Because it's a movie that I think you're the only person who can identify the same way that I do with this movie. Come on. So we'll get into that next. Sounds good. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. I'm Abby, a mother of two, and I had these battles myself. Endless excuses, delay tactics, and many tears and tantrums. But I've created a solution. The perfect kids podcast that makes bedtime a dream. It's called Koala Moon, and it's hosted by me, Abby. With over 300 episodes packed with original stories and sleep meditations, Koala Moon makes bedtimes easy and enjoyable. Episodes start out engaging and really rather magical, but as they progress, they gently slow to a calm and relaxing pace to have your little ones out like a light. 
Since launching in 2022, Koala Moon has helped with over 20 million nights sleep and received over 6,000 five-star reviews. Win back your evenings. Listen to Koala Moon now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And here he is, America's newest rock and roll sensation, the California Kid, Richie Valens! Here's a bit of a rattlesnake. All right, so I want to talk about the movie La Bamba, which we've told Bobby many times to watch this movie. Has he still not watched He's it? He's never watched it. Oh, my God. And it's a story about Richie Valens. But yet this dude will say, hey, go watch this dumb documentary about an octopus, and we're all like, oh, okay. And I did watch that one, too. But um, <laughs> I, I guess it's a Mexican thing. Is because, it? Because I was thinking of, like, when I make my list of movies, this one always ends up in the top five. And I think it's because the first time I watched it, it was me seeing somebody who looked like me on the big screen. Yes. And it's very rare to see a Mexican actor or a Mexican story portrayed. Totally. But aside from that, one of my favorite kind of genres is biopics and also ones that take place back in the day. So this has everything kind of set up for me. But for you, what is it about this movie that's kind of that you identify with? Same thing. I mean, the exact same thing. There's a guy on on a movie. I mean, I was a huge movie fan growing up. I loved movies. My brother and I would go to a bunch of movies. Uh, Star Wars fans, Indiana Jones, all those. I mean, we just loved the movies. So to see a Mexican on the screen, not knowing his musical story, was really inspiring to say. And I've always been the type of person to be like, I want to be that. Yeah. And that's what I'm going to go for in life. And, uh, you know, like everything about him, everything about him in the movie I related to. Uh, I, you know, like when you're in elementary school and you lie to people and say you have a girlfriend that goes to another school. Yeah. I lied and said I had a, had a girlfriend named Donna who lives in <laughs> another school on the other side of town because Richie did. Yeah. You know, like I, that's what it was for me. I, I'm with you. Exactly the same. I think the other thing about this movie is that. It presents Mexican culture in a way that's not overly presenting Mexican culture, if that makes sense. Because no, I explain. Because I feel when a, either a TV show or a movie is made about a Mexican family, they overemphasize the Mexican qualities to be like, okay, this is a Mexican family. They like make a point to be like, this is my abuelita, yeah. and we are making this for dinner. Yes. Like Very like intertwining Mexican themes and Mexican things to make it a Mexican movie. But in this one, it kind of just shows how... Mexicans in that time were living in the United States. How, I mean, he didn't even really speak Spanish. That's correct. And I feel a lot of that, like for me, like growing up, like my parents only spoke Spanish and they learned how to speak English from watching TV. Yeah. But by the time it got to me, I was kind of in that in between of them only speaking Spanish to me, but me learning English for the first time. Yeah. Which was what Richie Valens was. Yeah. He was singing La Bamba when he could barely hold a conversation in Spanish. Yeah, I, you know, I had a that makes me think of I had a very awakening moment like right after college is I had made I had made some, you know, college movies or whatever and we had we had uh entered them into some film festivals. Me and this girl, I was the kind of DP director of director of photography and she had written the script and we both co-directed and it was just a school project. And we made it and then we submitted it into a bunch of film festivals and there was one in particular in South Texas that accepted it. I'm from South Texas, and I was like, this is amazing that they're accepting this. It's called Cine del Sol. 
and uh, we go down there to to show our our movie, to screen our movie, and uh, the director for La Bamba is also there too. Oh wow! <laughs> so so I get to meet him at the festival, and he said, "Hey man, I'm having a party back at my condo. Come back, come back with with us." And I'm like. Cool. All right, <laughs> dude. So I, I'm like, do not geek out about La Bamba with this guy. Yeah. He's not he's not even here for La Bamba. He's he's doing a completely different movie. So we got to hang out with him. I even forget his I think it was Valdez is his last name, but I don't really remember his first name. But we hung out, we talked or whatever, and I went home that night and I thought to myself exactly what you're saying. Like, how as a Hispanic kid Am I going to be able to succeed in this world? Also carrying my culture with me, but also having relationships with people that are not Hispanic, which I think he did very well, which maybe had to do with making the movie that way. You know, is making a Hispanic uh, cultured filled film like that and presenting it to the whole world and not making also to the whole world feel like they don't know what that culture is. Oh, that's so different. Oh, that's not for us. That's the... uh, that's for Mexican people. No, it was for everyone. The story of Richie Valens, like you said, he didn't know any English. He didn't know Spanish. Yeah. He just knew English. So I feel like I had that moment too in life when I met Mr. Valdez and thinking like, oh man, like that is very important to not over-culturalize our Hispanic culture into whatever we do in the future. Which why sometimes on the Bobby Bones show, people are just like, Eddie's the least Mexican dude. <laughs> I'm not. I've just really, really dedicated a lot of my life to understand the culture that i'm a part of because i'm not in south texas anymore yeah if i was i would still be like hey, hey. Nah, come on hey. like nah. i think the other thing i remember watching a making of this movie with the director and he talked about how he wanted to make it at the very bottom line of the movie a story about brothers mm. so essentially the whole movie is a story about his brother bob and richie yes their relationship is really what kind of makes this such an impactful movie why you do learn his story all about his career what makes like the emotional attachment is learning about them as brothers yeah so i think that's another way he kind of made it to not so much focus on like this is a way a mexican story right yeah um yeah definitely i love that story i mean again you you talk you talk about this movie just being a movie or whatever but it's it really is a big part of our life and i remember my brother too telling me you know, when we were growing up, I feel like I'm Bob and you're Richie. And you know, it's like oh, yeah. when, when you're using little examples of like that from yeah. a movie that we grew up watching, that's how impactful it was in our life. I and, mean, I had the same thing with my brother. Like we kind of parallel Richie and Bob in certain ways. Yeah. And I think even like other cousins I have, like you see that same kind of thing of like the older brother going one way and the younger brother chasing other dreams. Yes. I think that also resonates and you don't even have to be Mexican to understand right. that part of exactly. it. Exactly. Favorite line from the movie? Oh, come on. I mean, I, I, the, the big one is Richie, of course. Richie! <laughs> but I might have to go with... Um, <laughs> let me see. Um, I mean... I do, we always quote, you and me, every time we're in the studio, we always quote um, uh, Woody Woodpecker, Woody, Buzz, Buzz Buzzard. Buzzard. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's so many... This is one of those movies to where it's just worked its way into my vocabulary. Yeah. Like I will just quote things and I I realize I'm quoting La Bamba like whenever they go play that bar for the first time and he's like this one's out of Lubbock, Texas. Lubbock, Lubbock Texas. Texas? <laughs> <laughs> like stuff like that is just yeah. embedded in my brain yeah. to where I just say it and it's from La Bamba. Now, are you like me where after you saw the movie, you bought the soundtrack and then after you had the soundtrack, 
you started researching who really sang all these songs and oh, then, yeah. and then really going down the Richie Valens catalog. Yeah, I did that. That's kind of how I got into like liking Buddy Holly. Yeah. Like in the movie, that song, Crying, mm-hmm. Waiting, Hoping. Like that's one of my favorite songs yeah. of Buddy Holly, mainly because of the movie. Yeah. And it kind of made me learn about the Big Bopper and just kind of that genre and that time of music. Yeah. But it's it's interesting. I know, man. I, I have a Richie Valens record back home, and I listen to it all the time. And the original Richie Valens. And it's, it's very cool, man. I love telling my kids the story. And I, you just reminded me from talking about this in the podcast. Like, I will watch that. I want to watch that movie with my kids. Yeah. So I, because, I mean, I, I grew up in McAllen, Texas, south, south Texas, seven miles of the border. And my kids have never seen that. Even my 12-year-old, he's never been down there. I've never, I haven't lived down there in years. So... I've had no reason to go down there, but I want to take them down there to show them show them my roots. But I think before I do that, I'm going to show them La Bamba. <laughs> there you go. Right? Well, appreciate you hanging out on this episode. I encourage everybody listening, if you haven't seen La Bamba, go do watch it. it. Learn the story. Start quoting it with us. Yeah. It's a great movie to watch. Thanks, Eddie, for hanging out, man. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me, man. <laughs> All right. Let's get into a movie review now. Joined by my fiance and co-host, Kelsey. We're going to be talking about the movie Our Friend, starring Jason Segel, Dakota Johnson, Casey Affleck, and Jake Owen. Before we get into that review, here's a little bit of the trailer. Can we talk for a minute, Matt? It's going to get very hard. You're going to see things from Nicole never seen before. You don't need to do this alone. I can come help you get to the other side of this. I'd love to have you. How long do you think you'll be up there? I'm hoping just a couple weeks. just want to make sure Matt gets back on his feet. I usually make breakfast and dinner. Maybe you can take some of that weight off. Speaking of, I was hoping you'd call me Grandma Dane. Sure. Molly, excuse me. Sure, I'll call you Grandma Dane. Thank you. All right, so I've been waiting for this movie to come out for a while now. I think I first heard of it maybe like two years ago. Jake Owen came in and he was on the Bobby Bone show saying like, hey, I'm going to be in a movie. And since then, I've been following along this movie. It was called The Friend at the very beginning, and now it's called Our Friend. And it's basically a movie based on an article, which I thought was interesting. And the thing about this movie is I feel this was a pretty sad movie. Now, recently we've watched some movies that have made us emotional, but I think it's been a while since I've watched a movie that just made me sad. Like, as close as I got to, like, genuinely crying is what I feel this movie was. How did you feel about the emotional level of this movie? Oh, it was sad. And I had watched the trailer, but I don't think I fully processed how sad it was going to be. And then we were about like 15, 20 minutes in. I was like, oh, this is going to be sad. Okay, buckle up. From the trailer, you find out what it's about. And without spoiling any of it, which I mean, it is a true story, but I feel there's some things that come out to play that we won't talk about. But overall, it's about a mom who gets diagnosed with cancer and she finds out it's terminal. And then it's the whole family dealing with it, which I thought that's exactly what the whole movie was going to be about. But I think where it kind of stands apart from other movies is it's really about Jason Siegel's character and how much he steps up as a friend and how much he kind of helps them get through it and, like, his struggles throughout the movie. So I think that's a part of the story that hasn't been told in something like this before. So how did you feel about this movie? I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed it. I mean, it was two hours long, but didn't feel Mm -hmm. like two hours, except there was one point where we paused and it was like, oh, I still have an hour left to be sad. (laughs) (laughs) It is a pretty good emotional roller coaster because not only are you dealing with seeing how the cancer is affecting her throughout Dakota Johnson's character, but I mean, from their kids in the movie to how they're just trying to like 
spend as much time with her before she passes. They essentially say she's going to have six months to live and it's all going from that. So there's a lot that I've just never really knew about. So it was kind of for me like, oh man, this is a lot to go through. And you realize how much cancer sucks and how much of an emotional toll it is. And it does just make you sad, right? Yeah. And I thought it was a really good portrayal of like all of the emotions of like a diagnosis like that and just them kind of walking through all of that. And I thought Jason Siegel's character was amazing. Yeah. yeah I thought it was really I good. He was my favorite part of this movie. Because Absolutely. We know him mostly as, you know, doing the early mid 2000s, just comedic stuff. You mean kind of the goofy guy, which I think he kind of is in this movie. He's the comedic relief and kind of like the the fun guy to be around but also it just shows like how even those kind of people have another side of them of things they're dealing with and he really just puts his life on pause in this movie and he does a really good job at it like he was very convincing to where i didn't think of him as being the goofy jason siegel right i like lost track of him being kind of the funny guy yeah <laughs> Who, what do you think about the cast overall? I think it's pretty interesting. Like, I really wanted to watch it because Jake Owen's in it, who I wanted to see how he would do as an actor. And if I had one criticism with the movie, is like he wasn't in it enough. Yeah, he could have been in it more. Like, I would have enjoyed... I would have liked that. I would, yeah, I would have liked seeing him more throughout the movie. I'd say total he's in about three scenes. So if there was anything, I just wanted more of his character in it. But I, I kind of get it compared to, like, where he, he was in the story. But I thought this was a pretty interesting cast because Casey Affleck, what does he do? Just sad movies? Yeah. And and Dakota Johnson, I just thought overall it's pretty eclectic. So I thought that was an interesting pick for everybody. How did you feel after we watched this movie? Sad. Right? Yeah, you made us watch Toy Story after. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think if you're going to watch this movie, it's pretty sad. But it's... I don't know, like some of the other stuff we watched recently, it's like emotional and sad, but it's also uplifting. Do you think this had any kind of uplifting parts to it? Or is it just going to like, if you want to watch something to make you cry? I feel like if you just want to feel your feels, like for every everyone listening, if you've seen My Sister's Keeper with Cameron Diaz about her daughter that has cancer, mm -hmm. similarly sad, I would say, would be my comparison. Like there's not really necessarily a silver lining to the movie yeah which i was kind of expecting but i get it it's real life yeah it was a true story so it wasn't wrapped up with a bow yeah i felt like it was hand like the movie itself like told the story well yeah and that's one of the big things i feel like with a movie like that about and just cancer in real life is that like there is a life like after and i i don't feel like the movie got to that as much but it mm -hmm. kind of showed them like having to go on and move forward and I guess the one kind of silver lining of it is if you have those kind of people in your life who have been around you through the good times and through the really hard times, if you watch this and maybe you're like, oh, this is kind of like this person in my life. Yeah, it makes you want to text all your friends and tell them that you right. love them. <laughs> so if you had to give this movie a rating, what would you give it? Four and a half out of five. I can't think of a rating system. I can't think of anything that it's was like... It's a little like, I don't know if we could pick something out. I, I would give it a solid four out of five. I think it's... A, I thought the acting was really good. You can just tell like from within like the first scene that it's going to be a good movie. It kept me invested all the way through. And yeah, it got me emotionally. Like the closest I've been to like legit crying. I looked over at several points and you were just, you looked very sad. Some of it is just very hard to take in, mainly when it has to do with anything dealing with the kids. Yeah. That's, that's a hard part. But 
It's in theaters and select theaters starting on Friday. You can get it on demand wherever you rent movies if you want to check that out. So that is a review of the movie Our Friend. We're going to get into now some movie news, which I wanted to bring something you kind of mentioned earlier into movie news. It wasn't a story anything put out, but something I just realized is that a lot of the Disney Pixar movies on Disney Plus are digitally remastered, which I don't think a lot of people realize that. I didn't really know. And after we watched our friend, I was like, I need a palate cleanser. <laughs> like, I need something to make me feel good again. So we watched Toy Story. And from when the movie started, I was like, this looks completely different. Yeah, you geeked out a little. It was fascinating. Like, I was seeing details in this movie that I hadn't seen before. And you could read, like, the names on, like, games in the background. You could see, like, other little details in, like, the characters. Like, Woody's hair has, like, these other little color imprints on them. And I, I found out that when they put these movies on Disney+, Plus, they went in and digitally remastered, I think, 12 of them. And all the Toy Stories are included because if you think about it, these movies came out when this technology was like straight up brand new. 1995, the first one, they were just realizing like how to do all these things. And it's you can't really go back and reanimate everything again, but you can go back and kind of make it look brighter and do all the things they do to remaster movies. But I would say if you want to go back and like haven't seen these movies in a while right now to see them on Disney Plus, it's pretty cool. You can see things you haven't seen before. And I feel like even kids now who maybe haven't seen all these movies, they would see these and not think they're completely old movies. We did comment on that. So I was like, at some point, like when we have kids, they'll yeah. watch these and it won't be like, mom, dad, these movies look so old. I know. <laughs> like I'm trying to think of something that my mom made me watch when I was little that I was like, this looks so old. Well, I would think something like 2D animation, like the brave little toaster. If yes. you went back and watched that movie, you'd be like, the animation looks just so old in this. But watching this movie now, it's like, it looks brand new. It looks as good as like Toy Story 4 is now. So that's what I wanted to bring to movie news. <laughs> also, um, Chris Evans was kind of rumored to be coming back and playing Captain America. But he basically went on Twitter and said, there's no truth to this. So everybody was getting excited that he'd be, I don't know, doing it again. But he kind of shut that down immediately, which I think he should. I think they should kind of just... Leave those characters as they are. I don't want to see him come back as Captain America anymore. I think it's a little bit of like, oh, we want to, like, what would he do again? I think it's all been done. Save the world. Again? Yeah. I like closure. I felt we got at, got that in The Last Avengers. I don't feel like you always like closure, though. We've had this conversation. When it, But it, that last Marvel <laughs> Avengers movie felt so finalizing. They wrapped it up so well. I think to come back and be like, oh, he's he's Captain America again would be a little of a, like, okay. Okay, <laughs> He's fair. doing that again. So, in also casting news, Nicole Kidman is in pretty much confirmed to be Lucille Ball in an upcoming biopic. And the drama was that everybody was saying that Deborah Messing should play Lucille Ball instead. And she even, like, tweeted that she was available. So, I guess she said she wasn't asked. And... I get it that she looks a lot more like Lucy, but Nicole Kidman, I feel, one, has a lot more of, like, an acting kind of buzz around her right now. She's been in a lot of great TV shows lately. Her movies haven't been quite up to that same kind of standard, but I don't know. I think when you cast a biopic, you're going more for 
how good of an actor they are aside from everybody kind of wanting them to pick somebody who looks exactly like the person they're playing. Cause I think their makeup and costume, you can get them to look pretty close to them no matter what they actually look like. So I get it that she looks more like Lucy, but I like the call better of having Nicole Kidman do it. What do you think? I would agree. I think Nicole Kidman is a good fit for that. Yeah, she was good. We saw her in The Undoing. Yes. Great. Great. Also saw her in uh, Big Little Lies. Also great. So I think that's a good fit for her. And then finally in movie news, Netflix has announced they're releasing a brand new movie every single week. The thing I love about this is that these can't be delayed. Exactly. Because they come out on Netflix no matter what. I mean, they come out strong with all those, like really big actors doing really big movies. And I'm excited just to have no matter what a movie to talk about each week. So and also credit to you for finding that article first. Thank you. It's like getting photo cred. I just wanted my credit for finding that. (laughs) Well, I was on a run while the news came out and I didn't get to see it. But you you brought that to my attention. Yeah, I brought it to your attention. Then you put it all over Twitter and Instagram. Would it have killed you to give me a little shout out? Okay. next time you get to cred. Thank you. All right, and this week's shout-out of the week goes to Kelsey. No, just kidding. Uh, To get a shout-out, all you have to do is uh, tweet me at Mike Distro, send me an Instagram message or Facebook post, anything you want, or you can email me, moviemikeD at gmail.com. It's also in the episode notes here, but this week we're going over to Twitter, and it's from at SarahWSU44 who said she loved last week's episode and the game was a great addition. A lot of people said that they liked the game. They enjoyed it when we played the movie theme song game last week. So if you didn't listen to that, go back and check that one out because we do it in a way that you can play along too. So we'll come up with some more games. That's kind of your department now, right? Okay, I'll go back to the drawing board. (laughs) All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Talk to you again next Monday here. And until then, later. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.